AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Charleston Orwig. Passionate about agriculture, food, and strategic communications. Ready to protect and enhance your brand. Charleston Orwig is a full-service communications agency with a dedicated team of reputation management experts. Our passion for the food system is surpassed only by the success of our clients. For more information about how we can help you, visit charlestonorwig.com. Alan Tracy, welcome to AgriPulse Open Mic. Thank you very much, Ken. Great to see you again. I want to jump into a number of things from you and I going back to you being an Assistant Secretary of Agriculture in the 1980s under the Block and Reagan administration and us traveling to China when U.S. Wheat opened an office and the Soybean Association opened an office. I guess there were four different offices opened at that time. It's almost uh, an entire lifetime ago that that happened, but literally everything we have today seems to have built on that. Indeed, we actually got the word when you and I were in the airplane on our way there that uh, China had authorized those first offices of U.S. cooperators in China, and we actually established ours. It still took a while, so it was 83 before we actually had the office in place, and we've had it continuously there ever since. And at times in that time period, China was a major buyer of wheat, uh, but they're also the largest producer of wheat in the world, largest consumer. And there were some time periods where they were self-sufficient or even exporting some. So it's interesting that finally, this year again, uh, they are our largest customer of wheat, uh, coming out of almost nowhere last year. I think last year they bought 300,000 tons. This year it's 4.4 million tons, uh, making them our number one customer for this marketing year. Can you draw anything from this? Because others are saying China wants to be independent again. Uh, they don't want to have relationships, they want to grow it themselves. But then on the other side of it, of what you're saying, it proves that they're willing to go buy it in the market if their consumers want it. Food security is a huge issue for them. You know, they have a, a very large population, they have some internal transportation problems, and uh, uh, even though they have a large local production, uh, they, want to be, they want to be food secure. And they've always talked about self-sufficiency. But the, the tone of it has changed. Obviously, they're no longer self-sufficient in soybeans. You know, they import half the world's uh, trade in, in soybeans. So uh, they, they now are importing significant amounts of, of corn. Um, sometimes they defined self-sufficiency as, as 100%. Now they're talking 90%. Frankly, if they were 90% self-sufficient in wheat, they'd still be the largest wheat buyer in the world. Uh, because their consumption is, is so huge. Uh, they're consuming in the neighborhood of 120 million tons, so 12 million tons uh, of imports would put them above, above Egypt. So I'm not too concerned about the rhetoric. We, we're looking more at what happens on the ground with their farm support programs, with the, with the agronomics. Uh, they actually get pretty good yields in, in wheat and, and not very good yields in corn, for instance. Uh, but they are trying to encourage corn production. They're very careful to try to ensure they have enough rice and enough uh, wheat. You know, a lot of people think of China as a rice-eating country, and they do eat a little more rice than wheat, but not that much. And, and the northern plains, where Beijing is, uh, and from there north, uh, is traditional wheat-consuming country. So they have been a wheat, uh, wheat consumer for, for centuries. Alan Tracy... Sorting out what U.S. wheat does, 
I know that I see you in any kind of activity in the world markets. So how do you fund yourself to be a uh, market development and wheat export program for the wheat growers of the United States? Certainly. We, we start with a base of voluntary funding from the state wheat commissions. There's 19 state wheat commissions currently that uh, uh, we, we just allocate uh, our dues to them based on their production, their relative production. Uh, and that forms our base, and that pays for most of our domestic costs. We have uh, uh, 22 people in the United States, but we have 61 people outside of the United States in 15 offices around the world, more than any other cooperator. Um, and may, may I ask you, did you have some major impact when funding for the government dried up at the end of the last farm bill? Oh, absolutely, because we're so dependent. We use those farm programs primarily for our overseas expenses, uh, salary and office, of course, but also the programmatic work. Um, and when the farm bill was suspended or en ended last uh, September 30, uh, even though there was a continuing resolution soon thereafter, the programs weren't authorized. So we were left uh, in quite a quite a, a gap there. Fortunately, one of the programs, the Market Access Program, is based on a, on a calendar year, so we had funding from that one through uh, into January. But uh, also, fortunately, we had some reserves. Our, our farmer growers have been quite responsible about, and our states have, have ponied up to make sure that we had the resources to bridge a gap like this. But it was starting to get dicey, and uh, uh, had it gone past uh, April or May, we, we would have been facing serious, serious problems on how to keep our offices open. Some things uh, surprise us on who buys American wheat. Let's take the country of Brazil. I thought they were self-sufficient in everything and overflowing with all grains, but they buy wheat from the U.S.? Well, people tend to think of them most as uh, as one of our major exporters, the number two exporter of, of soybeans, which they are. Uh, they do grow some wheat, but most of their wheat they actually get from Argentina, right next door. Uh, southern Brazil is, is some pretty good wheat country, uh, but uh, uh, they're, a, they're a big country, you know. They're, they're half of South America's uh, land area, half of South America's population, and they are normally the... Uh, second or third largest wheat importer in the world. But because they have this arrangement with Argentina and Uruguay and Paraguay, the, the Mercosur agreement, they get uh, they have zero tariffs in between each other on most products, and that means that uh, Argentine wheat uh, right next door moves into there quite, quite readily. And those of us who are not Mercosur members pay a 10% tariff. Well, that's a big difference, you know, when you add freight on top of it and, and then, the, then the tariff. So, um, but Argentina has been having a lot of problems, uh, political problems. Uh, their their farmers are taxed very heavily. They have export taxes to help support the government, which fortunately for us are forbidden in our constitution. Uh, so their wheat production has been going down. Uh, it's been safer for farmers to to raise grass and and cattle and ship a, a, a more valuable truckload at once whenever they want to instead of everybody trying to get to the port with uh, with trucks uh, at harvest time at once for, for wheat. So it's down quite a bit and, and that has meant that uh, Brazil has needed the wheat. They recognize that. They, on a temporary basis, put their tariff down to zero. And they zoom to our number two 
uh, importer, import customer this, this past year. They really like our hard red winter wheat, always have. Uh, we always ship them some and ship them some soft red winter into the northeast part of Brazil, which is actually freight is about equal there for us versus Argentina, oddly enough. But uh, uh, they've become a, a big customer, and it's going to happen again this year because the problems in Argentina have, con have continued, including some weather problems. So uh, we're looking for another big year with, uh, with Brazil this year, which is quite a boon. Alan, as we look at uh, total exports of U.S. wheat, you know, wheat has to contend with some people on their acreage of whether they plant another crop in this country, and price, I guess, is the relative factor. Uh, are you seeing that uh, there's demand worldwide for American wheat? Absolutely. You know, we're not the lowest cost producer in most, most cases. Right at this particular moment, we actually do have some of the cheapest wheat available for sale. But just because Russia is pretty much out and uh, Europe is, is uh, trimmed down, uh, a lot of the stocks, you know, we, we have supposedly a, a healthy world stock picture, but a lot of that's in China where it's not coming out. So uh, the world is starting to look more to, uh, to U.S. wheat as we get towards the end of this, of this marketing year. Sort out something for me, if you would, on this biotech issue. I mean, there's two sides of it. One of them is, when will we start marketing biotech wheat? And the other one is, what happened this last year when this remnant of some of Monsanto's wheat years later popped up out in Oregon, Washington area? Sure. Well, we eventually will have biotech wheat. It, it makes sense uh, that uh, we take advantage of technology, and part of it is the reason you, you mentioned earlier that uh, wheat has lost acreage in the U.S. Uh, as corn has moved west, uh, and part of that was biotech, by the way. The, you know, the, the, the BT uh, gene in corn was designed to combat rootworms, but it turned out to have pretty good drought tolerance uh, aspects to it because more roots can suck more water. Uh, soybeans have moved north, so yes, wheat has lost acreage, yet our production has stayed about stable. Yields have more or less uh, offset that. We export about half of our wheat. Um, it's a while yet before we'll have biotech wheat. Uh, the, the, the major tech companies pretty much all do have wheat programs now, wheat breeding programs, but they aren't spending the money like they spend in, in corn and, uh, and soybeans. We've actually been encouraging them to spend more money because long term, I think wheat's their growth area. It's uh, the largest single planted crop uh, in the world. It has uh, uh, not quite the greatest volume, that's corn, but... Uh, the greatest uh, uh, acreage and actually the greatest value crop, single crop in the world is, is wheat. I've heard theories that some of these companies might market biotech wheat in another country first before they market it in the U.S. Or it may not even be those countries. There's considerable research going on in China, uh, and they've already had, I think, some accidental release of biotech rice in China. So when you get into the food crops, rice and, and wheat in particular, it gets that much more sensitive. And the market introduction problems are going to be daunting. But uh, we're working on it, and for particularly sensitive markets like, like Japan or, or Korea, uh, we're pre prepared to provide them with, uh, with non-biotech wheat. Uh, eventually it'll cost more, but uh, 
that that's the way we're going to have to deal with it. We'll eventually have have two streams. And you actually do have that already in in soybeans. You know, we ship non-biotech soybeans to uh, to Japan for tofu use, and it's a substantial amount, over a million tons a year. But they do pay for it. What's your explanation, or just a chronological outcome, of what took place on that uh, amount of biotech wheat that popped up in the Pacific Northwest this last year? I really don't have an explanation for how that wheat got there. I don't think anybody does at this point. APHIS, the Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service at USDA, is, has undertaken a very extensive investigation there, and the results of that have not been announced. What, uh, what is encouraging to us, since we have to deal with the market acceptance aspects, is that uh, there has been a huge amount of testing, uh, both of, uh, of our marketed crop and of seed sources in the United States, thousands and thousands of samples, with not one single finding. So while well, we don't know why and how that in that one field, uh, biotech uh, wheat from old trials uh, in, you know, in it probably uh, that ended in 2004 in Oregon, um, how that showed up. Uh, again, we do know that we, we can say with great confidence that there is no biotech wheat in the commercial channels of U.S. wheat, uh, nor in the uh, in the breeding stock that we have currently for the future. Uh, so that avoids the immediate marketing problem. Uh, we, we'll have to face it again, of course, when, when we do have biotech wheat and want, to, want uh, to see those traits made available to our producers and hopefully down the road uh, consumer traits that will be valuable as well. Alan Tracy, thank you very much for being our guest on AgriPulse Open Mic. Okay, thanks so much, Ken. Great to see you again. AgriPulse Open Mic has been brought to you by Charleston Orwig. For more information about how we can help you, visit charlestonorwig.com. I'm Ken Root.